Yo, it's host number two, D. Right now, you're about to experience a Bitcoin podcast flashback. Some time ago, we noticed that today's modern podcasting apps kind of archive a lot of our older episodes, our oldies book goodies. So we decided we were going to start rebroadcasting them to you guys that are newer or maybe older and you want, you know, a breath of the old TBP or you're newer and you didn't know what we had to offer back then. You just started listening to the network before there was a network. There was the Bitcoin podcast. It's Corey, Marcello and myself. And um, we made a lot of episodes and we wanted you guys to get the opportunity to hear them. So without further ado, here is a Bitcoin podcast flashback. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I can get behind that theory. I bet you if you talk to little B in real life, he's like, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> you want to go get some Taco Bell? I hear they got that new steak wrap. And you're like, is this, <laughs> is this the base god? And you're like, yeah, I, that's just that's just. If, the if there was like thing. a charity where you could like uh, donate money to charity for a chance to go to Taco Bell with little B as a prize, I'd do it. We need to tap into Lil B's marketing skills, though. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 38 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. Wow, I blanked. <laughs> what the hell was that? Is it that, that kind of episode? <laughs> that kind of episode. And I'm host number two, D, bringing the thunder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Corey is, uh, he has a lot more friends than we do, so he's occupied. Uh, yeah. Out in Brazil, and uh, as always, we're brought to you by the great people at PopChest. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with PopChest, they're a media distribution platform which uses Bitcoin micropayments to directly reward content creators. So if you make premium videos, head on over to popchest.com, and within minutes, just minutes, you can start receiving the almighty Bitcoin from every viewer. And in addition, if you want to watch cool Bitcoin videos, head on over to theprotocol.tv to watch an exclusive one-hour interview with the biggest brain of Bitcoin, Vitalik Buterin, who just happens to be the founder of the Ethereum project. And the only way to watch this commercial-free video is on theprotocol.tv. And that is with Bitcoin micropayments enabled by the great people at PopChest. And like always, we're also brought to you by escrowmybits.com. Uh, let me tell you about this little service. All you do is register and deposit Bitcoin, and then the seller ships the item, and the buyer checks the goods and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. They currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain peg to a fiat value using new bits. So there's no complex math at the point of sale. And if you're unfamiliar with new bits, it just happens to be the world's first stable digital currency. 
and they charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So the rest uh, are yours, and uh, Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. Uh, your funds are kept in a secure two of a three multi-signature transaction, and they only hold one of those keys. So head on over to their website, sign up for their newsletter, stay up to date. Escrow your shit with Escrow My Bits, escrowmybits.com. All right, that's it for the ads, man. Let's get into our first uh, midweek, our, our two-a-week episodes. Yeah. This is the second one of the week. It's cool getting two out in one week. Uh, you know what I noticed, like, right when we started? For some reason, whenever Corey's not here, I revert into Macho Man Randy Savage voice. Like, I, just, I think we can get a little bit more silly when he's not here, because he's so smart. Yeah. You're smart, too. I'm not that smart. But. I don't I don't agree with that. I think you're <laughs> self-deprecating for the audience to be a more likable individual. That's what that is. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> I think Corey just brings a lot of the... Uh, he, he brings us up intellectually. So yeah, he does. On, he, it's like a circus. He he is willing to exp- extend the effort to be very, uh, what's it called, articulate when it comes to explaining Bitcoin and its nuances. Whereas, as to me, I'm more so like, Bitcoin is the shit. Know about it. Boom. Drop the mic. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, now that, uh, now that I guess tax season's here, uh, are you going to use any of your tax refund to buy some Bitcoin? Do you do you get money every year? The funny thing about my tax refund is I am legally single, so I don't get any money back <laughs> at all. It's so fun for me. Like I put, I fill in all those boxes, and I hear that music from like the fifties, like ding 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 ding, and I'm like filling it, and at the end it's like congratulations, you get a refund of fifteen dollars, yay! <laughs> Would you like to take ten dollars of that to pay for our services? And it's like, God damn it! So you don't know about the joys of just like having all this extra money coming in and just blowing no. it on Bitcoin and ice cream and CDs. I, I honestly don't, and it sucks because everybody's like, "Oh, tax return time! I think I'll go buy another boat this year." <laughs> <laughs> but not me. Um, I just get to fill in. I basically just have a job once a year, filling a bunch of lines so I don't get put in jail. Yeah. And uh, that's it. But yeah. you uh, you day trade and all that. So, you know, the IRS only knows what it's told. This means that it has no knowledge of your Bitcoin transactions unless someone tells them. We're not telling them. Yep. I don't do any trading. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> trade baseball cards? Yeah, maybe. Unless, unless your janky bank files like a suspicious activity report. Yeah, I know, but I don't think they will. I don't, yeah. I don't do that many Bitcoin purchases through them. Just what goes through lawnmower. And every once in a blue moon when the price takes a dip, I'll just buy a little bit. So. Yeah. But there's not coming in. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of money going in that suspicious, you know, so they don't shut me down. But if all, if every, you know, week I had three sources of income where it just said like Coinbase or uh, local bitcoins, then they would probably shut me down. So, well, I'm not getting any money. I, I did a financial faux pas last year, and I left my job with a severance package, 
and I also filed for unemployment, so I was getting two checks on top of each other. <laughs> Damn, stacks on stacks. And the IRS caught that, and they said, you, you can't do that. <laughs> so I think I have to... I think I'm going to have to give them all my refund this year. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, welcome. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Join the club. No money back from Uncle Sam. All right, so... I don't get anything. We, um... By the way, we heavily advocate if you are getting a refund, take 1% of it, maybe a little small portion of it, buy some some Bitcoins, uh, because after all, it is the era of the blockchain. Uh, let's not get it twisted. And in my opinion, an era of the blockchain implies a value-added situation to Bitcoin. So go get some Bitcoin. Yeah. In addition to that, if you are 16 years old to 22 years old with expendable income, uh, I would have to recommend that everyone owns at least a small portion of their savings in Bitcoin. It's a strong investment. And it outperforms many investments in the world today. Yeah, it does. The numbers are there. They're there. And it's risky. And like on our last episode, uh, Corey and I got into depth about like, you know, is it past the point of being an experiment? And I personally, I think it is. I think Bitcoin's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Uh, so if anything, it's just something else you can add to your portfolios. And hope that becomes a wealth gain over time. So, anyways, we need some talking points going into today's interview. Uh, what do we got on the docket? Well, I say over the last couple of days, uh, Bitcoin Classic lost most of its support. And someone wrote into the show and they wanted to know uh, what the scenarios were for the coming weeks, most likely and not so likely, i.e. hard fork adoption, soft fork adoptions, consensus, etc. And, um, you know, we answered a lot of that in the last episode. But people who supported Classic at the start, I think they really jumped the gun. And I think most people saw Garzik's name and immediately assumed that it was a solid project. And as soon as people started talking about it and more information spread, it didn't take long for many people to see just how bad of an idea it would be. So, you know, I think Core has a solid plan and has a very solid team, like we've discussed, uh, to scale Bitcoin. But, I don't know, rejecting their work and trusting something like Classic to take the reins of Bitcoin is honestly just, it's just a bad idea, I think. So, you say stick with core. Yeah, too many people were putting their emotions before their rationality with that. Yeah, I think that me, I think I would be one of them. I was like, Classic all the way, fuck a core. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just because I was tired of the, the complacency and I'm tired of, Basically, I'm tired of the complacency. I want to see some movement on on changes. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. We don't need the, the, the blocks aren't full. We still have time. But like, I don't understand that mentality of not preparing for a situation before it actually gets there. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. I, I think you're in the camp that says, like, let's try something else. And if it doesn't work, well, let's fork right back to the core. And I think that's how Bitcoin was envisioned to work. You know, it's it's got to upgrade somehow. And unfortunately, it isn't a centralized thing. It's not like Microsoft work. We could just pump out an update and then we're like, hey, if you don't like it, lick all my bowels. Yeah. It's like everybody's got to have a consensus. And in order to get to that gradual consensus, you got to try something, man. We can't just sit on our hands, twiddle yeah. our thumbs. 
It's not going to work. So, know, if, so. As a, if a soft fork was going to happen, it would take a couple months, right? A soft fork takes a while. Yeah. So it wouldn't come out to at least April then. Mm-hmm. But you'll, it depends. Like soft fork is like an update to your software, essentially. So, you know, different people are going to see it at different times. How many times do you get the little notification on your phone? It's like, Hey, new operating system update. Would you like to do it right now? I'm telling you, there's probably at least a third of the time you're like, I'll do it later. That's right? rough. Yeah. Right. That's so it's, true. it's pretty much the same thing. Like when I get my iOS updates, uh, it's like, do you want to do it now or later? And I'm like nine out of 10. I'm like later, later. They even have an option now. It's like, do it while you sleep. And it's like, it's weird that, you know, when I sleep phone, but yes. <laughs> and they know everything and, and boom. So, um, well, that's, that's sad, I didn't think you were going to agree with me, but classic seems to lost a little bit of its steam. It has, um, and I think it has to do with the developers behind it. But man, honestly, I haven't had time to do the dig in research I'd love to do. Uh, as of late, school picks up in the spring. Students seem to want to know less. Um, but I'll dig back into classic and and core, and I, I just don't know why we can't move. Like <laughs> it seems like Bitcoin needs to just move. Um, but everything seems to be fine, and everything is working fine. And I want to reassure the listeners, too, that Bitcoin's working fine. It's just that it does need to scale if it wants to to be what it what it wants to be or what people think it should be. So It's working fine, but I yeah. think, be safe. Don't send any coins around if we're near a hard fork, because you could accidentally send some on the wrong chain. Yeah, that is a possibility. Maybe we should outline, like, the actual... You know, to, just to keep people sane with in the in the uh, event of a hard fork, which I feel we've done before, but maybe it's about the time we do that since we're getting so close to a fork. Yeah, you, you could accidentally send both core coins and classic coins when they didn't mean to, so we should definitely outline that. Yeah, and then I I'd like to believe that most wallet services and businesses that are built uh, well will have you know contingencies for that, so people don't lose their money. Um, but we'll see. So Corey and I will get on that. I like how we could talk about things Corey's going to do when he's not here. <laughs> Corey and I will get on that and we'll try and uh, come up with some sort of easy flow chart for you to understand as a listener and a user of Bitcoin, uh, what happens to your funds in the event of a hard or soft fork. Yep. Uh, here's the, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, not much close to nothing actually. From a user standpoint, actually nothing. I don't. I don't believe. But, anyways, we'll go into the details so you can expect that coming at you. For sure. For sure. Um, so th- this midweek interview that we got going on, we're gonna switch a little bit on over to trust because I think you know we love trust. We we uh, it's our security blanket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that Demetri and Corey handled this one we while did. I was sleeping like a it lazy was- bitch. It was early, yeah. <laughs> early for us. It was early for me, not for for Corey. Um, and in the afternoon for her, Elena, uh, she's the CEO Satoshi Labs over there, co-founder. Um, you may know their product, the Treasure. Then she she started this hardware wallet. She craze. did. 
She did. I think Trezor was the very first one, wasn't it? Yeah, back in 2014. We've interviewed a couple hardware wallet developers, but she should have been the first one that we yeah that we went with. I like to uh, think of uh, hardware wallet developers as like the pioneers, the astronauts, the 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 expeditionary minded guys in human behavior. Because think about it, humans we already carry a phone. Well, that's pretty much all we carry now. But some people carry a phone, a tablet, a laptop. We have all these hardware devices already. Now we have wearables. I'm starting to feel like a freaking robot. I got a smartwatch on my arm right now. Like, but having a hardware wallet, a Bitcoin hardware wallet or digital currency wallet implies another device that we have on us. Yeah. You know? And so I just bought, I just bought a $700 laptop that was, that I basically almost, I salvaged it last night, but I almost had to throw it away immediately. You got a brand new? It was, it was a refurb. It was a brand uh, new refurb, and it had malware all on it. Oof. So the the how do you say it? the Trezor? Trezor Trezor? It can be used, including it can be used in any environment, including with malware, and still keep your Bitcoin safe. Absolutely, and that's amazing because I was a victim of malware last night because the encryption's on the device and is heavily encrypted. Unlike uh, some other hardware walls we've had on the show. She's okay with saying be your own bank. Yeah, she should send us uh, a free one. No one sends <laughs> us. A, no one sends us anything, man. I don't think we're big time yet. We got to get big time, and then we start getting free stuff. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna start. Uh, uh, what's the opposite of endorsing? Unendorsing? Dedorsing. I'm gonna dedorse everybody until we start getting some stuff. <laughs> By the way, listeners, we only did this for the free shit. No, sorry. <laughs> when we started the show, we were like, you know what? I bet you were going to get a lot of cool free Bitcoin shit from this. <laughs> like, I want a hardware wallet, but instead of buying one, let's create a podcast and do it for a year, and maybe we'll get one. <laughs> Keep key. Here's to looking at you. Case we're, wallet. We're coming for you. <laughs> Just going to have a pile of hardware wallets. Anyways, um... Let's get Zinnia on the top in here and uh, <laughs> apologize for the sound quality. Yeah, uh, we didn't have a good time with the mic, guys. So apologize. Turn it up. I'll try and do. Uh, we'll try. Sorry. Just turn it up. Listen. Uh, she had a lot of amazing things to say about what's going on with Treasure. And ba- it was a really fun interview. It was the first interview where we got interviewed at the same time. Yep. You know, it was really cool to be asked questions and, and give our opinion on things. So, uh, here it is. All righty. <laughs> so, uh, Bitcoin is, is still very much in its infancy. It's, it's still very young. At least I, I still believe so. Um, how, would you mind letting your listeners, our listeners know how you stumbled into Bitcoin as early as you did? Tell us a little bit about kind of how you got started and, and then why you're here. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I first came across Bitcoin in 2010. Unlike other people who started with mining or investing, uh, my interest was purely uh, academical, let's say. By the time I was studying uh, international relations and economic diplomacy, and monetary system, international monetary system was my, my chosen topic for my, for my thesis. And I was kind of looking into local currencies and alternatives to the 
non-functioning current uh, uh, monetary system based on the petrodollar. Um, and Bitcoin was quite new by the time. I must admit I had no <laughs> clue how it's working, but I was quite <laughs> impressed by I was quite impressed by uh, by the general idea behind. And then um, 2011, I met uh, Slush and Stick, my my current business partners, and we didn't even go into any kind of cooperation by that time. But when we met two years later, uh, these two guys, they're very smart, you know, they've been uh, working on some hardware wallet. And um, uh, we started to talk about, and I really got into it, um, I, I found it fascinating that finally uh, there's, there's a way and easy to use, and, you know, for, for people like myself to have a private bank and private money. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they were like, yeah, but we need someone to make it happen because both of them are, as I said, smart and hackers and programmers. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we need someone to to make things move. So yeah. that was me. And uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was to, to early 2013. And we started Trezor as a hobby project, actually. And we thought, okay, let's produce it. Let, let's make it. Let's let's make it happen. Prove it works. And let's produce a few hundred uh, devices and just send them out to the world. And uh, finally, because uh, of, you know, the, the state always uh, forces you to take measures and create companies and have invoices and, and you know, do all these certification stuff. So we founded the company because we were forced to <laughs> somehow, but it turned out really well. And um, here we are with Trezor, uh, two years working now, working well, and we are working on a, an, on a new version. So we kind of have new ideas to, to where we go. Awesome. And uh... <laughs> To switch it up a little bit, uh, you've been in Bitcoin for a while. How have you endured this epic debate over scaling Bitcoin? And do you have a particular proposal that you that you most agree with? Um, you know what? We've been talking about this uh, mainly with Slush. Uh, and we came to a conclusion. Uh, I don't want to sound, it to sound rude, but we don't care. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, let's do something. If, if there's a change needed, just let's agree on some best feasible and easy to do uh, thing now. Uh, or let's think of some solution that would be uh, done one time and would not have to be redone over time all over again. Because this is something that everyone is wasting their energy on. And we just need to go get going, you know, uh, do new stuff and not spend our time and energy on some some um, wars over whether it's two megabytes or more. Um, so we were originally more, let's say, in favor of, uh, of eight. Uh, we are even fine with two. Let's just do it, you know, <laughs> let's do it. 
This affects you quite a bit, doesn't it? When, you know, maybe a hard fork happens that affects, you know, wallet producers and stuff like that. I would imagine, especially hardware wallet producers. Is it, does it really affect how you create your product and, and the software you put into it? Actually, there's no, no big changes needed for Trezor itself. We will have to implement some, some changes on the back end of my Trezor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Um, the, the thing is, I would, I would like to see one change and not like change it over time, over and over and over again, and yeah. restart the same discussion and put doubts into uh, whether Bitcoin as a community or as a technology can survive <laughs> without, yeah. you know, following all this struggle between people. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's my. I, I guess. I guess. I mean, you've you've probably spoken on this quite a bit before. Before, but I mean, infrastructure is vital to the progression of Bitcoin, and um, I think we've reached a critical point in terms of in terms of this uh, to start seeing a lot more emboldening use cases. And how do you feel about um, where we are in terms of what we've built and where we can go? And uh, do you know of any type of killer apps now that we have this infrastructure? I mean, I think personally, value transference, the way Bitcoin does it, is its own killer app. But you, Bitcoin allows for a lot of things to be built on top of it. And I think now that we have a lot of users and the back end to Bitcoin, we'll start seeing some of these. Do you have any ideas on where this might go? Well, the question of the ultimate killer app. <laughs> um, it depends. I think uh, you, you cannot just take Bitcoin and, and find uh, or look for one killer app. Uh, um, I think there's a, a lot of opportunities and possibilities we don't see yet, but we can already see where it might go. So, for example, if I take just a very concrete example of, of Trezor, so at the beginning, uh, the, the idea was to create a super secure uh, an easy-to-use hardware wallet for a dummy like myself, okay? Um, now, um, as we have proven, or Trezor has proven to work well, uh, we see that there are much more use cases that Trezor can be used for. Uh, so we can basically take Bitcoin and have it work in the background to solve other problems and issues we have. So not just have a secure and convenient transfer of money, but we can, for example, um, use the cryptography of Bitcoin and Trezor to, in order to overcome you know, phishing attacks uh, and, and malware and keyloggers stealing your passwords and so on. And that's where we're going right now with Trezor. I don't know if you have noticed the uh, the uh, API that we introduced a few months ago. That's uh, that that allows any website owner to to implement a login with Trezor. That will basically skip all passwords and usernames uh, for the user, and will allow them to to use the cryptography and the, the signing keys of Trezor to log in to, to websites or to approve any actions online and so on. So um, the killer app for Bitcoin must not necessarily be connected with Bitcoin as the money itself, I think. You know you know what I mean? I, I like the way you put that, and I definitely agree with you. It's not 
Bitcoin isn't just money and to start thinking about it in other ways allows you to open your mind and see a lot what it's capable of. Exactly, exactly. Like this craze about blockchain for banks. Okay, uh, let them study. (laughs) They may find um, a way how to employ my personal message to the banks uh, is don't forget, you know, you need Bitcoin to, to have your blockchain running as it is, or you don't need or you don't need blockchain at all. Yeah. Uh, but I, I come from the banking industry, actually. I used to work for um, some, some banking and insurance groups. And I know uh, they, they, they are like fossils. You know, they, they desperately look for any innovations because their systems are old, slow, overly expensive. So I can understand that there's like... Oh wow! This is a new technology. Let's let's look into that and let's study. Uh, good luck. I mean, yes, go go, go for it. <laughs> go for it. But you will eventually have to accept that you can build uh, uh, your own blockchain without a Bitcoin, or you just create a new, uh, you know, distributed cloud storage or whatever. Yeah. So. I'm also curious about the killer app. What do you guys, uh, what do you guys think will be the or is the killer app? Hmm. Usually, we're the ones asking questions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it around on us. <laughs> I, go ahead, D. Um, I myself, I I think Bitcoin is its own killer app. I know I know it's not an app per se technically, but the ability to send value you know using the internet as value send that over the internet just you know just in a split mm-hmm. second it, it it hits the network it's there you know and on a good day after 10 minutes it's it's not being reversed and it's very 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 cheap i mean like three cents five cents on um, thousands of dollars that's yeah even if you do if you send me a million dollars you can do that. I'll give you my address and just pay a few cents of fees. That's nice. Um, yeah. The truth about this is, well, what I think, uh, people, usually the, the average Joe um, doesn't care so much whether the money is his own and whether he gets permission to, to send it or not until something significant happens, either to him or in the society. Um People here in, in Czechoslovakia in the 50s, uh, they lost over half of their money because of the, uh, um, how do you call it, monetary reform. By the way, I love uh, the, the nice words politicians use, reform, but it actually means they take half of your money away. <laughs> so, they make it so sound it, so nice. It has to sound nice. It has to sound like we are doing something good for the society. Um, but uh, no. Uh, um, so, so either something like that happens or per dollar, are you waking up now? <laughs> <laughs> That's my typical alarm. Oops. Gonna have to edit that out. Oops, I have to wake up. Uh, <laughs> so for, for US, uh, something really. Um, Groundbreaking have to happen to, to the dollar. That may happen actually uh, this year as you look at the prices of, uh, of oil, petrol, uh, 
and uh, you know the overall instability. Let's say U.S. has lost the, the, the position of a hegemon uh, in the world. So the, the trust in the dollar worldwide will be decreasing. I think, um, and we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't want to predict any doomsdays or or bad things happening. Uh, I certainly hope, though, that, that the system will change uh, radically. So, yeah. yeah. So, un- until then, I think people don't, most of the people don't care whether the bank uh, allows or doesn't allow the transaction. There's a certain group of people that does care, for example, people who work in special industries, let's say, um, People like myself who run Bitcoin companies, you know, we, we run into problems with banks, but that's a niche group yet. That's kind of that's kind of where my what my answer to the question of the killer app would be is along those lines. It, it's it's I don't think we're there yet. We need more growth, mm-hmm. but the ultimate killer app of Bitcoin is to allow people to become their own bank and use Bitcoin, but not necessarily know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, because the average Joe doesn't care, just like you said, but it's the, the technology is capable of allowing them to do it. So they don't get that problem that could come with the government taking their money or doing these things that are, you know, sound good, but are actually bad. It's the underlying technology behind the way they use money and transfer value just can't allow that to happen. And so I think the next killer or the, the killer app of Bitcoin is allowing them to do that and become their own bank. Kind of what similar to what Trezor does with the Trezor does with, with Bitcoin, it, but w- without them even knowing they're doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, but you know, we are, we are so much used to be babysit by our governments, by whatever, you know, whatever institutions you may think of. That it's like really convenient. Uh, we don't need to take care of anything. But when the time comes, like something goes wrong, then it's too late. So, guys, how do we let people know they should they should um, keep at least some part of their their uh, money in bitcoins or gold or whatever? We uh, should let them know, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But it's but it's difficult, you know. When when I say this to my mom, like mother. Uh, look, this and this can happen, or you should be careful about, uh, you know, providing your private data because, you know, and she said, well, I have nothing to hide, right? I said, yes, you don't have nothing to hide now, but maybe in a year or two, uh, the system may dramatically change, you know, and you may turn out to be a criminal for the new system, you know, because you have done something like... Uh, that, that, that the new establishment doesn't like. And uh, I know it sounds um, maybe uh, um, unlikely for a U.S. citizen, but in Europe, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, political changes uh, throughout the last 20, 30 years, and uh, we may see them again. I mean, why not? Uh, you know, everyone's predicting the collapse of EU, and uh, who knows what uh, what kind of establishment we have then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't want to be uh, overly political. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these guys just 
root, root me away. This is this is the imprint that I got from my studies. <laughs> everything in this com- um, in this uh, complex. It's it's it is complex, and it and it's kind of what's nice about like it 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 flows naturally from talking about Bitcoin and how things can be moved seamlessly throughout countries, and then when you start to have something that allows that, the problems of borders automatically come into play and it's kind of nice to hear that perspective once in a while because you don't think about it too much so to uh lighten it up a little bit i guess we'll take it to (laughs) i'm very positive (laughs) (laughs) oh no i mean i don't think personally i saw an article last night that was eerie it was you know right before i hit the sack it said that it now officially costs less for a barrel of oil than the barrel to put it in. And I was like, ooh, I can't be doing good things for the petrodollar, but I need to hit the sack and not read that article. But, I mean, it's everybody's kind of, there's a little general panic in the markets around the globe. So, Well, actually, you know, someone was tweeting about this yesterday and saying like, oh, because uh, of Iran, uh, uh, we saw another drop to $28, and I said, wait, <laughs> the U.S. and Saudi Arabia are the two biggest producers of petrol. Number one is U.S. right now. So if you want to increase the price, you could also decrease the, the limits, right, like the produ- production. Uh, neither U.S. nor Saudi uh, do that. Uh, so my question is why? The answer may be different, but... Um, it, it might be the same tactic as they used uh, in late uh, 80s to destroy the Soviet Union, right? <laughs> they are trying the yeah. same. Mm. So, so to complain about the price, but, but you know, be the one that can uh, actually um, interfere with the price and change it, uh, and then point to Iran is <laughs> a little bit uh, off, you know, I would say. Okay, um, so you wanted to lighten up? <laughs> oh yeah, Trezor. Yeah, let's talk about Trezor. Let's talk about Trezor. Yes. Is there a is there a large learning curve when it comes to using Trezor from a user's standpoint? Can my grandma use it? Can uh, little little if, little kids use it? If your grandma can use a computer, I'm sure she can use a Trezor. Um, when we when we had the first uh, first testing devices out. I asked my friend, and she I swear she never even uh, went into what is Bitcoin. She knew there's something like that, but she never had a wallet, nothing. And I gave her the Trezor, told her to unpack and, and set it up, and send me a receiving address so I could send her some Bitcoins. And she did that in within 15 minutes or 20. So I'm pretty sure... Any person with basic computer skills uh, can can do that, even without studying uh, our user manuals. Just you just follow through through, and this this is because I was I was the person uh, I was the, the dummy tester. You know, I said, guys, whatever <laughs> I can do, then anyone can do. You know, so uh... we, we really try. <laughs> I don't want to uh, underestimate myself, but um, we really try to to uh, do it as fluent and easy as possible for everyone. Awesome! It's good to have that perspective on the team because it seems like there's the 
the greater population of the Bitcoin community are people that, you know, can program a computer in their sleep. You know, so it's good to have that perspective of somebody who's just a user, you know, not yeah. super mm-hmm. code or supreme. So, But I think, you know, it, it, it starts to be better and better. Um, another great example um, of a nice wallet, I would say, is a copay. You know, that's a very simple, intuitive interface. Um, I think it's getting quite there. My first wallet was Electrum. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I opened Electrum and I said, what should I do now? I panicked. I, did, I had no idea what to do. Uh-huh. And there was a receive tab and send tab and what, what should I do? So, um, and what is this? And I was looking at the, at the Bitcoin address and I had no idea what the heck is that? <laughs> so now you see um, initiatives or activities like Netkey, for example, they try to to replace those uh, strings of uh, addresses with some real names that people would be able to use. So, yeah, I, I think it's moving on. It's moving forward. Oh, slowly but surely, that's for sure. Sorry? Slowly but surely, that's for sure. The, the ease of use is becoming better and better and better. Yeah, do you think it's slow? Um, I don't know. I don't remember the, the early beginnings of the internet, but I can, I can imagine that it was just about the same path of uh, involvement. You know? It's definitely, I, I would argue that Bitcoin is, the acceleration of, of Bitcoin is much faster than the internet simply because we have the internet to accelerate it. It's, oh, yeah. it's and Could so be. like, but it, it, I don't know. It seems slow because we're right in the middle of it, watching it, watching its pulse tick. So we want it to be, you know, where the internet is now, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> I want to be where the Bitcoin is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forget about internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. Trezor, my treasure, coin map. I mean, you have quite a few things going and it's all you know, pretty amazing. The projects you're doing, is there, is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to, you, you know, you'd be willing to announce for us or maybe hint towards like, where are you going with treasure? Uh, we are currently working on um, treasure two. Uh, that will be, well, we'll, we are trying to solve several issues at the same time, uh, which always tends to get complicated and you want uh, a nice and fancy device and you want to have it, you know, cheaper for people and then you want to have this and that. So it's, um, um, it's already work of few months. Uh, for us, and we, we still don't have the very final version, but we have some nice uh, nice designs already on, on table. Um, in terms of features, um, we will definitely be expanding. So you can you could have um, or you could, you would be able to to, to use Trezor not just for for transmitting money. But as I said, to log into websites, but also to protect your passwords and to protect your communication and documents by all by using the, the same technology that's already there, uh, the, the encryption of Trezor and the signing capacities of Trezor. Um, I think we, we are able, or I'm sure we are able to do all this 
without compromising the, the basic security of Trezor. And this is the this is the goal number one to to uh, just use what's there and go beyond Bitcoin. Maybe this is the killer app, you know, to go beyond Bitcoin and solve issues of of many people, I many companies that have you know problems with phishing attacks. Uh, I've been just tweeting about this uh, one day ago or two days ago. Uh, who was it? Let me see. eBay, yeah. eBay had issues with phishing attacks uh, just two days ago, right? And that's a huge company. Um, when you when you look around yourself, there's no week without an announcement of, of the user accounts being compromised. Uh, and it's not just about being compromised, it's about the data that's behind it and the data that's being sold on black markets. Um, and uh, the, the more companies work online and have online databases uh, and they concentrate everything in one point, you know, in, on, on some servers, uh, it's like a honeypot for, for hackers and, and thieves. So we want to offer a way to, to avoid, to completely dismiss this issue. You know, it's not like combating it, it's like skipping it. <laughs> because yeah. you don't use username and password uh, to go to mytrezor.com, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, but you still see all your private data, all your transactions, even without using those usernames and passwords. How is that possible? So, we use the encryption and signing capacities of Trezor to to basically open your gates, you know, to whatever you want, and no one else can do that. Just the, the holder of, of the, this particular Trezor. Uh, so we will be expanding pretty much in this direction because Trezor as a as a secure hardware piece of hardware um, is the only way to to keep what's really um, uh, precious, what's really valuable away from from reach of any hackers and, and viruses, right? I always, when someone is asking me, like, how come, why do I need a, a special hardware wallet? I already have, like, a computer, notebook, and tablet. And I say, <laughs> because of that, because all, uh, all the computers were, and, and mobile phones have been built, were built to, to share information, to make information easily accessible. None of those was built to protect those information. That's why you need a separate hardware wallet or a piece of hardware that discards any attempts of a, of a hack or any attempts to of, of a virus to reach it. Right? Does it make sense? Yeah. So I guess it's exactly a really, I think, an important thing in, in society is that as technology is moving, and you've, you've touched on this, technology keeps moving and we keep moving more and more and more of our assets and the things we hold 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 value to into a digital format, and none of the things that we currently make um, as a society are designed to protect those assets, only to share them. And mm-hmm. Bitcoin is kind of forced; it's kind of the first use case of learning how to secure and protect a digital asset. And you're saying that you're 
you think the vision of Trezor is to move beyond Bitcoin and secure all digital assets as a, using a hardware well, using a hardware a piece of secure hardware. And I think that's incredibly important for um, people to learn about because this revolution of dealing with your security is starting to um, take place and be noticed. And mm-hmm. it seems Trezor might be the, a, a, a leader in, in helping people learn and deal about this. Well, I certainly hope so. Um, <laughs> just imagine like the, the, uh, the way we interconnect our lives with the internet and everything's almost everything's there and you log in with your Twitter account to other websites and with your Facebook account to another website. And basically, I think there might be one step in time when people realize, oh, I'm nothing without the internet because everything is there. All my uh-huh. life is there, right? And then, then uh, imagine someone, someone will take your online personality hostage. Yeah, that. And then you're screwed. I mean, you cannot access. And it's so easy. And it's really easy. It's, today, it's it's a child's game, you know, child's play. Uh, you can you can Google like uh, how to install a keylogger. <laughs> you just go ahead and try, you know, and you'll get uh, installation packages of keyloggers and how to manuals. She just created a bunch of hackers. <laughs> Do we need a disclaimer? <laughs> I think we need a disclaimer. Yeah, this is no advice, please. But no, um, honestly, I mean, um, a decade ago, maybe, or, or I don't know, I, I'm not a hacker, it was probably um, much more demanding to, to um, be a hacker. You know, you would have to have a specific knowledge and, uh, and connections with other people who do that. Today, you just need a Google. Hmm. <laughs> That's it, you know. <laughs> Well, it's it's a bit scary though. It's it's a bit scary. Yeah. No, uh, at actually... the same time, uh, we cannot go back. I mean, what uh, we cannot go to the trees, you know. Yeah. So we we just need to find a good balance uh, between. Uh, okay, is this something that I need to share? Uh, is this, uh, do I really need to sign in with my Facebook account so big data guys can, you know, mine more information about me and stuff like that. And this is, um, something that can only be done with education and, or, um, you know, experience. (laughs) I prefer education than experience because the experience is usually a bad one. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to ask you the most difficult question of all. Are you ready? Oh, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Oh, my God. That's that's, that's the most hated questions in my Bitcoiners, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I think Bitcoin um, is, first of all, it's uh, a big unknown <laughs> yet. Big it's a unknown. Big okay. unknown for the future. Um, not, not just not to, uh, I don't want to imply that uh, I don't know what's going on, whether Bitcoin is about to succeed or not. I'm sure it is. Uh, but uh, how and where we go, 
Um, that, that's a big unknown and pretty exciting. Uh, that it's definitely uh, much more than money. Uh, I think Corey, Corey said that before. Uh, much more than money, uh, much more than just the uh, um, transaction network uh, and public ledger. Uh, I'm curious about what's what's to, what's to come from Bitcoin. And if I, if I had to explain this to to someone in uh, in half a minute on the street, I would say um, it's your, it's the first private money you know that you can hold and you don't have to ask anyone for permission uh, and so on. But that that that's a very limited explanation, I guess. So you have two choices. You can go with a big unknown or the second one where you shatter the 10-word limit. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would have to think of a better, better answer than the unknown. Um, you know, this is, this is a difficult question. <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's quite a loaded question. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you know, Bitcoin is sexy, definitely. Uh, Bitcoin has a growing user base, and uh, although you know, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is about to end," and why Bitcoin failed? Uh, no, I have more. I would just now be able to tell you at least five or more reasons why I don't think so. Um, you know, and the, and this is for, first of all because of the and I'm gonna go back to the politics and economy. You know, to, because of the recession, uh, people will be probably looking for alternatives, and gold is not the only alternative. You know, so Bitcoin and gold, uh, I think, will be uh, on the rise. Uh, when you look at China. Uh, and this huge credit bubble that they're having and the slowdown. Uh, and uh, I guess you've noticed this multi-level in November uh, 2015. So uh, we would, I think we will see some similar uh, huge uh, opportunities for the Chinese to get into Bitcoin. And uh, when you look at um, the, the retail adoption, well, PayPal announced this Vance Cesares from Zappo to get on board. Overstock is issuing their uh, their um, stocks, I think, on on, on the BTC uh, smart assets platform. You have this R3 uh, consortium, you know, bringing into blockchain. So there's a lot of like positive movement towards uh, as as well. 2014, everyone said like it's a Ponzi scheme and, and a scam. Uh, last year, nobody was having any doubts about validity of Bitcoin. So I, you know, there's a lot of uh, good reasons for me to think uh, that Bitcoin will stay uh, and grow. Absolutely. Well, what do you think? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Go for it. <laughs> what do you think? And can you explain Bitcoin to me, please? All right. What do I? <laughs> I say Bitcoin is digital peer-to-peer currency. Uh-huh. In a nutshell, for me, that's that's digital, my definition. Digital peer-to-peer currency. Okay. 
It was Corey or D? Your turn, Corey. Ten words oh. or less. Ten words or less. Um, easy to move money without banks. Okay. Okay. Oh, I need to learn from you. <laughs> we've been at this for a while. We've, we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> we, we've gotten so many responses now. We could just get it out there quick. So. See, my key, my key idea here is that money is, I don't know, the idea of Bitcoin is that it generalized money. And most people think about money as fiat cash, but the I, money is just value and what you were willing to trade someone for a good or service. So it, when you when you broaden the idea of what money is and then take the banks away, you get Bitcoin. It's and it's it's kind of this beautiful idea and what people need to kind of do in the first place by opening up their horizons and not thinking about money just as the cash in their wallet. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a long leap, I think. But yeah, it'll be a while. But it's it's a slow it's a slow progression, and I think we're on the right track for it. It's a slow progression that all depends on what's happening in the world. Maybe it will be a shock. You know, (laughs) who knows? I mean, who knows? We we should be ready for that. I mean, we are now with Bitcoin. We have all the infrastructure and the wallets and and ways to to get Bitcoin. for the, the best way to get Bitcoin still, in my opinion, is to earn it. That's <laughs> the yeah. best way. All right. So um, I hope you guys get some uh, some Bitcoin tips. Do you? Um, Occasionally. Yeah, we, we get paid in Bitcoin. So okay. and that is uh, fun and easy. So. Yes. So maybe this is uh, the window to, to pitch your <laughs> Bitcoin wallet. <laughs> Well, we're going to wrap it up, Elena. Okay. It's it very good to have you on the show and uh, represent Treasure and Satoshi Labs. And thank you for your time. Well, thank you for your time and for waking up very early in the morning. That's been very brave. Very good. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. And... That was Elena Vranova. Hope I got that last name right. Sometimes I get them wrong. But amazing interview. Sorry about the sound quality. Uh, we try to do our best. Um, but it was a really insightful and like joyful interview and with so much optimism and a clear sight for what Bitcoin is and, and how they use it and how she uses it and how. Uh, what it represents, you know, maybe in countries where the governments aren't so reliable, where the governments, what am I kidding? No government is reliable. You never know what those fuckers are doing. But Treasure and Bitcoin give you an option to hedge against your government, just like good old Ashton Kutcher would say. Yep. Okay. So we hope you enjoy the interview and Treasure, go get one. It's a Loctite. I've seen many a demo for it. I'm currently waiting on my free one. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to test it out. Put a nice little YouTube video out there to show you guys how it works. So, yeah. Go get and it's, and it's important training. because new technology, it, it demands something important to move from early adopter novelty to widely embraced tool. Mm-hmm. And this is new technology. So, it's important to support it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So what's next on the docket? What are we what are we talking about next? Um I don't know, man. Let's just shoot the shit and and our enthusiasm for Bitcoin will bleed through. Okay. Okay. What do you feel about the the price movements lately? I I think it's going to stay put for a little bit. You think so? I think yeah. it's going to push down to 350. Yeah, well, in my in my mind, I'm thinking th- 350 and with a high of of 415, it's going to stay there for a while. You know, something that does kind of not worry me, but it is like a red flag, is the fact that um, Bitcoin and the blockchain are so amazing. We see this time and time again all throughout the week from different professionals and you know different experts. Um, however. Given that they are so amazing, the investments going into them are for companies that that that, that apply Bitcoin in some way or have built some sort of blockchain enabled service. But how come people aren't just directly investing in the currency? That's a big question mark for me. Uh, I think it has to do with the hard forks, right? Mm, that Did- could be it, but for me, it's it's a it's a question mark because I'm thinking it was obvious for me. Even when I learned about Bitcoin, I still knew about all these services. I knew Coinbase was a thing. You know, I knew blockchain.info was a thing. I knew about all these exchanges. I knew about all the places where this VC money seems to be flowing to. But at the end of the day, at the end of the argument, I was still like, well, hell, I might as well just buy Bitcoin and own a bunch of Bitcoin. That's my sure shot bet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, they, and when I say they, I guess the, the core, mm-hmm. the block stream, I think they backed themselves into a corner with that hard fork because it, it's fear mongering to the extent that, uh, like they're, they're willing to push something 10 times more risky as a soft fork just to avoid the precedent of a painless hard fork. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because, Painless hard forks, I mean, the block size would probably rapidly be raised to like eight megabytes and their sidechain subsidy would be gone. So I think people are afraid. I think that's going to affect the price. Yeah. And I don't know. They're but dangerous. It's supposed they, to. they put the market in charge and then yeah. the market might vote against the, the experts. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to, though. I think the price should naturally go down if something is in flux. You know, it's only natural. Yeah. But the, the deal is from a user standpoint, we said this, is that if your coins are on one before the fork, just don't move them until the fork is over and nothing has changed from a user standpoint. The longest chain wins and your money is now on the longest chain. Kudos. Yep. So. I think, yeah, and don't underestimate like the, the likelihood that the exchanges are going to stab the hard fork side in the back. Mm, do you think that's going to get dramatic like that? Well, let's think about it from the exchange's perspective. You know, mm-hmm. for for the larger ones in the West, they know full well that there's a chance that the bigger block fork fails hard. So if they mistakenly support this fork, you know, what happens? And what happens is is that, you know, they would have sold something uh, purporting to the Bitcoin whose value shortly crashed to zero with the original Bitcoin branch retaining value. And then the surviving experts of the core could testify that they they warned us for years that this fork would not be real Bitcoin but an altcoin. So 
you know, any major Western exchange on the losing side who sold big block coins would be dead to rights and then guilty of fraud. So mm. I predict that at the last minute, maybe the major Western exchanges who supposedly support an alternative big block fork will bail from the coalition. But from my understanding, a hard fork is also seamless and it'll happen really quickly. Like we'll know which fork wins really quickly, according to the miners and the nodes switching up. And so if anything, all exchanges would have to do would be suspend trading for, I don't know, half hour, hour, however long it takes for the longest chain to be deemed the winner. And then boom, pick it back up. Well, isn't well, the double spend attack would be asymmetric. So only the big block fork would be vulnerable. Mm. The longest chain wins, though. So, is, what's are there any vulnerabilities if you suspend trading for until the longest chain is? We need to do more research. That's what this sounds like. <laughs> I think we fell into a rabbit hole. Yeah, we fell into a rabbit hole on the show. Um, all I know is this: the longest chain wins. Boom! It's kind of like a uh, Highlander. There can only be one. And then lightning yeah. strikes and then people get their heads cut off. <laughs> uh, it's it's like the US Constitution, you know, it's it's constitutional to change it, but unconstitutional not to follow it. Mm. Bam. You're dropping bombs today. Biggity blam. Bombs well Cory Corey steals my thunder. He's he say, does. He's, he says things and I'm like, ah, I was gonna say that. You just gotta chime in. <laughs> Anyways. So the roundtable is supposed to be short uh, because the Elena uh, Vernova interview was long. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you're inspired to go out there and maybe get a hardware wallet um, because it is a really secure way to hold your funds. Um, like Cello said at the top of the episode, um, mal- even if your computer is riddled with malware infected pornography that you've downloaded from sketchy ass torrents all over the world. Treasure is still going to keep your money safe because it's encrypted on the device. So, yeah. So, whether you're like a casual or a serious cryptocurrency user, it's uh, tailored to your needs. So, we like it. Uh, we thank Elena for being on the show and we think you should buy it. Absolutely. We're going to wrap it up. So, we'll catch us on our Twitter at the BTC podcast. Uh, Marcello runs the Twitter and he does a good job. Um, every once in a while you'll see him tweeting famous people to try and get them on the show because we like interviewing quasi famous people I guess I don't know anyways uh, we like to broaden our interview library of guests there we go got that out okay the bitcoinpodcast.com that's the website you can go on there there's all kinds of knowledge bombs on there um, if you have newcomers to bitcoin in your life you can direct them to our show and our website, and we will fulfill their Bitcoin needs. It's a guarantee. Um, bloggity blogs are coming out. Corey's got a blog coming out. Uh, we hope you like this second episode. Uh, we're going to try and get all three of us here so we have our more cohesive format uh, on the other ones. Uh, but Corey is having a narcos party in Brazil right now. <laughs> So, <laughs> he's not a narco, uh, but his parties are like that. Uh, well, there's no hey, drugs. It's only 3.30 over there. It's not yeah. too bad. 
Um, anyways, um, what else am I missing? Uh, oh. Next week, we got Justin Newton, co-founder and CEO of NetKey, uh, creators of the wallet name service. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, tune in. Turns your Bitcoin address into an easy, recognizable direct address, very similar to an email address. So, that's good, right? Am I right? And then... Zapchain.com slash Z slash just two guys. Come join us in the community and we can talk and you'll get bits. We yeah. send you bits. That's right. We're talking to you, foreigners. Yep. We have a lot of foreigners that follow us on Zapchain. I like it. <laughs> um, anywho, um, is that everything? Be out, man. We should, we should play like the GoldenEye N64 theme to celebrate Zinnia on the top being on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, play yeah. the outro. <laughs>